You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host, Dylan. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, and selling your home to live and to sell. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 138. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. So today's episode format is slightly different, and this is actually an audio from one of my IGTV live on Instagram. I was really thrilled to be able to get Daniel finally from Sage Spaces on to do an Instagram live with me. I've actually been trying to get him on the podcast for a long time, but he and his team have been just really super busy. And he was much more comfortable and open to the format of going live on Instagram. So that's exactly what we did. I thought the conversation was really interesting. It's definitely more casual as well because we get to see face-to-face. It's a different dynamic, I think, than doing the podcast interview. So before I get started today, I also want to just give you a quick reminder. I'm doing another free workshop on Thursday, September 16th, and another one next week on Tuesday on September 21st. For those of you who are about to start your home staging business or those of you who just started. So I'm going to be talking about the commonly very costing mistakes that a lot of new home stagers make and how to avoid them. Also, what to do in the very beginning to make sure you're super productive with your new staging business and how and where to invest your resources in the beginning. You can go to stagemore.com slash free workshop to sign up now. I also think what made this episode a little bit different is that usually when we record podcasts, both me and whoever I'm interviewing, we sit in a quiet room in our house or our offices. It feels a bit more formal. But actually going live on Instagram is a total new ball game. Daniel actually went live with me from one of his staging job sites. It was during noon because I usually go live on Wednesdays on Instagram. I call it the hump day lunch hour from 12 to 1. Lately, I don't have any guests on to the lunch hour. So I usually just do a solo show where I answer people's questions. So if you have any questions about running your home staging business, feel free to DM me on Instagram as well. I'm going to answer that live on Instagram on Wednesdays from 12 to 1 Pacific Standard Time. I also link this in the show notes so that you can pop on Instagram. The easiest way would be following us on Instagram at Sage More so that Instagram will notify you once I go live on Wednesday. So yeah, so this episode really felt a little bit different. It's definitely more casual. We actually never met before. We never talked to each other before. We just met each other on Instagram. I was just following Daniel for a long time. I love his work. It's definitely very colorful. It's fresh, a little bit boho vibe as well. And I just love the way he pulled the spaces together. And I love the way he does and approaches Instagram as well. If you go on Daniel's Instagram, which we'll link in the show notes, his Instagram name is called Stage Spaces, which is his company name as well. He really keeps it very professional. It's really about portfolio on his feed. And then in his stories, which is only live for 24 hours, he's really much more personable. There's like a lot of behind the scene walkthrough. There's also fun stuff as well. I think Daniel's been experimenting with reels lately also. But yeah, so I just really been following for a long time. I love his work and I just really wanted to have him on the show for the longest time. I think what he does and his partner, Jason, does really well for their business is that their look and feel is very branded. Their work always looks very consistent which I also really love. They also have a really nice, clean brand, which I really respond to as well. So yeah, so that's basically what we talk about on this show today. We talk about getting started in the home staging industry. There's just lots of different things we chat about on the episode. The other thing too, was we actually had to stop a little bit early because like I said, it was during 
them being on the drop side and it was like during the loadout time. So actually we had to stop early because they had a little rug emergency uh, on the drop side. So I'm definitely curious to hear if you respond to this type of format as a podcast listener, you can feel free to DM me on Instagram or just comment on the show notes. I'd love to hear more about it. If you want to find out more about Daniel and his company and his partner, go to our show notes at stationmore.com slash podcast. We'll link everything there. Or go to our Instagram at stationmore. And you can just click on IGTV tab on our Instagram profile. You'll be able to find that episode of me and Daniel going live. For those of you who are not familiar with Daniel and his company, Stage Spaces, he and his partner, Jason, they run Sage Spaces in Los Angeles, California together. They started a company with a desire to bring quality, elevated home staging and selling options to real estate professionals and private homeowners alike. Their aim is to visually create a story within a space to help buyers instantly connect and feel at home. Always adding new pieces to their large inventory of hand-selected home goods, Daniel and Jason keep a keen eye toward current trends in color, pattern, and texture. Their approach works. With 12 plus years of expertise, they've helped countless real estate agents, developers, and homeowners fully realize their property selling potential. All right, so that's it for today's introduction. Let's start the show. Hi. Corporate timing. Oh, good. What did I miss? <laughs> Nothing. I just made announcements. <laughs> oh, what did you announce? Your certification program. Yeah, that's coming up next week for our first open house, basically like the pre-sale. So we'll see how people, what questions they have, and we can still tweak the program as we go. But it's really scary. Like I literally was like shaking when I posted it yesterday because I was just like, well, it's going to be nine months long. Like it's intense. Oh yeah. my God. It's like yeah. an associate's program. <laughs> it is. Okay. I really structure it after it. And then, so there's five phases and then between three to four. So we structure it to be complete basics and then their styling skills. And then you, they have to go out and make their first $10,000. Because once you make it, you start getting kind of the concept of what it's really like to run a business. And then we can really drill down on the marketing and on the like ideal client, all that oh, stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, so, so do so people yeah. like train like one on one with you, and then they take like group classes too. Yeah. So we have a lot of classes in our program, and so they're gonna have different ones. So there's five year four plan. There's the styling course called Cash in a Cushion. There's portfolio class as well. So in phase two to go to phase three, they have to actually stage their house, like one oh, room cool. or something. So then yeah. we got portfolio photos that we can put on the website, social media. We teach totally. them how to really get started. And then they go find their first four or five jobs, right? So earn their first yeah. 10 grand. And then they get to start building out all of the big systems in their business. Did you yeah. set it up like that because you started staging with like your own house too? That's how I started. Yeah. That's yeah. really how I started. I think, I think everybody did, didn't we? Yeah. Well, actually, I didn't see. I was so broke. I didn't even have a house. I had to rent. Well, not rent. I took furniture from an ex to use. <laughs> in our first stage and used everything from that went directly to a living spaces and reinvested it and we did that for like i don't know the first three years it was crazy i felt like this was the biggest money suck for the longest time and then finally right you're like your inventory is like leveling out and you're like thank god i don't have to shop like every week that's so tough i used to love shopping did you used to like shopping <laughs> 
Not anymore. I know. You know, there's an Instagram meme that what are you supposed to like about your job, but you actually hate it? I, the first <laughs> thing I was like shopping. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hate it. Like if I have to look at furniture at all, I'm like, this is a mind numbing experience. But it's still cool too. Because you get to see like all the unique stuff that comes out. And I do actually still like the furniture shop, even though it's annoying. <laughs> you know what I really hate is receiving furniture. That's annoying. You don't like unboxing? People love unboxing. That's like the, it's like Christmas. (laughs) Like I I can see why people like film unboxing because it is exciting. And I love getting a box after that first layer of like cardboard. You already have your first cardboard cut. Your blade isn't sharp. The tape is gunking everything up. You know, like the stupid corner, the styrofoam corners on everything. What a mess. What a mess. I do hate styrofoam. I think they're so evil and they get everywhere and it's impossible to clean up. <sighs> do you still run any kind of design or staging aspect of your business? Or are you no, we don't stage on- anymore. We just teach people how to stage. I'm like Jennifer Lopez in Wedding Planner. I just teach people how to stage. <laughs> don't be fooled by the rocks that she got. All right. Okay. Um, well, so you don't do that anymore, but do you take on like friends projects and stuff? No, decorating project anymore either. Oh God, you're I so lucky. have a whole other life as a photographer. A lot of my photography practice has to do with a lot of social issues that I find very important. You know, so oh. because I'm an immigrant, I'm a person of color. Obviously, I'm a woman as well. So a lot of my personal projects were about like fertility, like women's issues, racism, and immigration issues and stuff. I work on exhibition. I work on long-term research project for my photography. Yeah. Last, last couple of years, I was away from the States. I was abroad getting my master's degree. So, yeah. Where'd you go? I was in Paris for a year for my first master. That's how big of a nerd I am. And then I realized I wanted more. Yeah. So I took a year off in between and then I applied. And then I got in this university in London. And so I did another year there. And it was really fun. And actually, I got to teach home staging at a university. Like, they wanted to have some sort of home staging program. So I also got to teach in university settings. So that was really exciting. That's really cool. I know. I was a little bit afraid when you came out with your certification program. I'm like, crap. Now we're all going to have to be certified to do this job. I'm going to have to go back to school. They're going <laughs> to, you know, it's going to be <laughs> like, we're going to have to do like continued education courses and stuff like that. Karate. No, I think- 101. I think people can be completely self-taught. I mean, there's many great stagers who are self-taught. If people want that shortcut and they want that hand-holding environment, our program is designed for that. Because I think one of the things that really triggers me is a trigger warning for people who are watching. (laughs) Is I hate people, you know, like stagers, they they just graduate from these programs, they're really excited, and they spend a really a lot of money on it. And they still come out and ask questions like, do I need insurance? Like what goes in my contract. And yeah. I feel like that's kind of like the basic stuff. One of one things they should have told you. Why totally. Those programs. Totally. Yeah. Like I think I have met more people that are interested in staging for just the like artistic expression aspect of it than people who are really excited about building a business around their interest, which is decorating, right? Or, or designing. And that was actually really confusing to me for a long time. Actually, Jason was just saying the other day, he's like, it's funny how you don't really explode on job installs anymore because everything meant so much to me. It was all about the art, all about the placement, all about the colors, all about, you know, like my vision had to happen. 
and it had to be different than what was there before. And that was fun for a while, but I don't really think that helps me like grow a business that has become like a profitable career that I can rely on. You're exactly right. Like sharpening those business skills are definitely something I think all of us artists really need to like constantly work on. Yeah. And that's across the board because I also work as a photographer and I see that in the photography community as well. Mm -hmm. Their threshold is even lower. Anyone has an iPhone now can be a photographer. Right, right. I know. And so they face the same similar situation. It's that people who are creative, they're great at what they do, but they're not good at running businesses. Right. And so that's where I see our school kind of bridge those gaps for people because it really breaks my heart when I see people who are talented, but they're frustrated because they're not running businesses. They just kind of pull a pricing out of the hat. They think somehow that is what works, but they don't really look at if they're actually profitable. I think in the beginning, it's fine. But then when you start getting to a certain point of your business, you're going to realize, wow, I'm actually losing a lot of money just by buying inventory and then moving it to a new place. Or Right, right. Or if you use your mom, like when I first started, my mom and my sister helped move everything. You know, we you hold truck everything. We move everything ourselves before we even start staging. Right. Lost it. But the thing is, I made a critical mistake is that because they work for me for free, I didn't build my client for it. So when I had to hire an actual person that is not related to me or an ex-boyfriend, I had to pay them now. Right, and right. Then, then all of a sudden, there's a big price increase, right? Because you're hiring someone for a couple of days to be in the warehouse and outside and also after. And then immediately the client's like, wow, your price went up a lot. And I'm like... Yeah, yeah, I forgot to yeah. charge you. Yeah, because I'm new and I'm just figuring this stuff out. Get off my back. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so. I, I was so fortunate to have Jason, who is not really like a designer. He's a business person. He's been in like automobiles and home sales. He's just like a lifelong entrepreneur. He really helped contextualize. I don't know if I'm using this correctly, but contextualize all my like artistic wants what I wanted my day to look like. I want to be going to a new place every day. I want to be like constantly shopping for cool things. I want to feel like the artist in my life. He helped craft a business for both of us around those wants. And so I think a lot of times when you're like a creative person, you need to find that yang to your, you know, your yang where you're like someone who's going to be really excited about looking at that stuff. And then if you can't afford that person, you have to do what I did and marry that person so that they have to work for you for free. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) No, but I think it's true because I think it does take that different brain, isn't it? It's a different discipline. It's totally different. It's a different art, I think. It's a different practice. Yeah, because I like the way he gets excited about the money. And I could care less. I would do this job for free. Don't tell anyone that. But like I would. Like if I was when I'm super wealthy and have just like loads of time, I think I'm gonna like invest myself in projects just like this. That'll never happen. So I'm gonna have to charge, but <laughs> <laughs> or people just hire you to come, you know, like Martha Stewart. Can mm-hmm. you imagine if Martha Stewart did your wedding? She'll probably charge you like millions for it. Speaking of Martha Stewart, did you ever watch the Incredible Beekman Boys when they were like had a show like forever ago? This is a guy. Oh my god, he is so funny. He used to 
worked for Martha Stewart and he would talk about working for Martha Stewart living. She is so scary. She's so scary. I would, I, like, I don't think I could ever be at a project. <laughs> flatten you. Is it like Naomi Campbell where she would throw foam at people kind of scary? Or is it like Devil Wears Prada? Where she I think it's more like a Miranda Priestly Devil Wears Prada kind of thing. <laughs> no, she's I, really. I don't no, know. She... I feel like that is such a toxic work environment, though. And I feel like today's generations would not put up with that shit. Totally not. I just heard this doctor, somebody on Instagram talking about like, stop complaining about millennials because all they want is to be, <laughs> all they want is, you know, a sign on bonus. They want to feel like they're valued and they want to know that they're being understood. And I thought, well, that's, I guess, pretty reasonable. That's what I'm looking for too. I don't know about the sign on bonus, but <laughs> I think the rest of it. And actually, Having a good work culture, though, is, like, super important. Well, it's funny. My entire team just walked in here. <laughs> is he really talking about good working? Yeah, he's culture? really talking about good, like, team working. Because yesterday, I had, like, an epic meltdown at our job site, which doesn't happen very often. I'm usually, like, very calm and collected. I'm professional. Right now, I'm sweating like a stuck pig, though. This garage that we're trying to turn into a living room is hot. Anyway... I lost my cool yesterday. It was just too much responsibility. We're we're a small team. We install anywhere from four to five projects a week. And there's only four of us regularly. It's like a lot, you know, and tensions run high. You know, we're all turned into like the worst version of ourselves and me especially. <laughs> and everyone got it yesterday. <laughs> but we're all better today. That's good. <laughs> yeah, we're all better today. I don't think I had lunch in enough time. Do you ever get cranky when you're not fed? No, I get hangry. My sister was very good at feeding me. Like, she knew. She's like, "Uh uh-oh, we need to eat now. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, someone's a little hungry. (laughs) Are you a little hungry? No, I'm not. (laughs) I know, and then you get to that point, though, where you're so hungry, now you can't eat, and you're even more mad. I know. I hate that. (laughs) We use real bread on our staging, actually. We used to use, like, real French bread. And then sometimes I get so hungry, I'm just like... I'm just going to eat the props. <laughs> I eat that one-month-old French bread that's been sitting at... God knows you use You use real food? We did. We use real bread, actually. And the really scary thing is we used to get green apples from Safeway, and they would be good for two months. Gross. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. how does that work? You just go to Safeway, buy a bunch of green apple, and, and put you it just in like refrigerate them. No, you can't because they're sitting out. Anyway, we did some real bread in the beginning too, because like I was like, oh, you know, I want to do like a beautiful breadboard or whatever, and we dried it out and shellacked it with the rustoleum shellac. <laughs> <laughs> they worked like two times, and then I dropped them one time, and the whole baguette oh, was just out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> three times no, everywhere. We- French bread, like baguette, and like those big ones that we used to get from Safeway, they dry really well. They're fine, actually, even without shellacking. And so we actually were using them months on end without issue. Whoa. Yeah. When you were staging, were you in San Francisco still? Our warehouse is in San Francisco, which is actually confusing because South San Francisco is actually a total different city and in a different county what we call the peninsula in the bay area there's like by the airport so there's a lot of industrial warehouses and stuff so it was nice 
because that whole area is warehouse. So, so it's not it's not like staging in like San Francisco because I can like imagine that would be miserable. We did service both counties. So we did this pocket of San Francisco called the Sunset in Richmond District. And it used to be basically like the boonies, like the taxi when you want to go out there. There's like an empty fair back. Yeah. But now the house we used to stay, when I first started in 2006, I think the house there was like 200,000, 300,000 at most for like an 1800 square feet, you know, two bedroom with an in-law downstairs. Now they're like two point eight million dollars. Isn't that insane? It's insane. And two point like eight million dollars is like a fixer upper. You know, like the sixties pink, blue, yeah. or green tile that's pukey green. That's like the <laughs> nice green. Yeah. It's yeah, like, that is so how long ago was that? We stopped staging in twenty seventeen. Yeah. So four years ago. Oh, four years. That's crazy. That yeah, of... it's a startup, man. It's like all the Facebook money just ruined everything. But our stat look amazing, though. Thank you. Like, we had one house that sold half a million dollar over. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Half a million over? Yeah, crazy, right? So some, that... some guy from Facebook bought it, all cash, too. From Facebook? Yeah. That's that what the agent told me. I'm stealing all the tea here. <laughs> yeah, you sure yeah. are. You sure are. It's ancient um, history. The housing market has been so crazy. We actually just opened escrow on a house on Jason and I on our first house. And it has been like such a crazy process trying to get into a home. And we thought, right, like we're, we're in empty homes all the time. We see them before they get listed. We have like a thousand agent contacts. This came from not a single one of them. It was not a house we staged. This house actually wasn't even staged. That's probably why it's not selling. <laughs> <laughs> Why we swept it up. We thought our house would come to us in a more like unconventional way, not just like finding it on Redfin. Like in a dream that comes to you. (laughs) (laughs) How California can we be? (laughs) I know, I know. Like I'd show up to a stage one day and they're like, do you just want this? Because we're done with it. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. How funny. You're right. That is is very like Californian (laughs) to think that this little miracle is going to happen. Although... So I'm from Iowa originally, and I came out to California in 2009, and I thought this was the only place I'd ever want to be. I love it so much. (sighs) Now that the summers are like always hot, (laughs) like always hot. They were hot before. They were hot. They were always hot before. But like, this is more than I bargained for. I might as well be living in a lower cost state to be this, this hot. I don't know about you, but there's a huge exodus from the Bay Area. Oh, yeah. Especially with COVID. People just were basically moving to outer states, and then they're going to be on Zoom anyway. So why do they need to be in San Francisco, where it's like triple or four times the housing price? I need to do something like you did and figure out how to make my business virtual. Then I can, you can teach, man. You can. I, I already have like ten different classes. I think you can teach. Come <laughs> teach for us. <laughs> so I actually really enjoy teaching too. I used to. I was in dance before I did this, and you kind of have to be a dance teacher if you're going to be a dancer at some point. And I loved it. <laughs> Well, I mean, you have to make money. <laughs> You're not going to no, get No, I it. watched your story when you were dancing. I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. That's one of the things that really oh. killed me. Because I was actually learning swing dances. I didn't think I would like it. And I really enjoyed it. Um, East Coast or West Coast swing? 
I have no idea. I learned it when I was in Taiwan, so I'm not sure. I think it's uh, East Coast Swing. Was it like but, bouncing? Yeah, it was really bouncing. Yeah, yeah it was really East fun. Coast. But then yeah. because COVID happened, so I was like, annoying. <laughs> yeah, it is annoying. It is annoying. And then on the way over here, we're like, gosh, what is not going to like go back to normal? Like, what of our activities that we you know how we're we're excited about doing but now it looks like maybe we don't get to go back to those full steam i hope it's not stuff like that like ballroom dance i hope you can go back to that soon i know it's actually funny my cousin is getting married right now at this moment in city hall and then, oh really because there's a covid we're back on you know masking so yeah so they're like they're only six people i was like well i'm not your immediate family obviously so i can't go but they're planning to have a dinner tonight and we have to turn it down because my mom, for example, is high risk. Mm-hmm. So in the restaurant, everyone's going to have masks off. Like we can't take that risk at all, especially with the Delta variant. Everyone who's getting sick now around us are all vaccinated. That's the scary thing, too. But anyway. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's a heavy subject, the human race and what's going to happen to us. And then all these like disturbing climate change reports it's just like so much anxiety i think that's actually why i exploded on everyone that's what i was trying to tell one of our a production assistants on the way over here i was like i wasn't mad at you guys yesterday that wasn't it i'm just worried about climate change and i'm stressed out about it <laughs> just blowing everything on covid and climate yeah. change and you'll be fine yeah but were they mad were they upset i mean it is a high pressure high stress job because we were have they mad? Had, no we have had no. people lost it on job site yeah yeah i think that happens like especially creative people right in this kind of business except for jason and that's why you know <laughs> he's creative money he's creative yeah. money i don't he's mean he's not pay. creative he is creative <laughs> I guess I mean more like artistic people. And if you have like artistic temperaments flying around, mine is definitely the most wild, which is good. Like the culture works because there aren't like a lot of drama queens in our group. Just me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, one of my friends from college is on here. Oh, hi, Heather. It's true. Anyway, no, it all worked out. I think every time you have like a situation where something is causing friction, you get, it's an opportunity to learn and do different next time. That's what we're supposed to say, right? True. I actually have this fantasy. You know, at some point you're fed up with realtor clients, isn't it? It's like, ah, can you change this chair? Can you bring this other thing? Mm -mm. I have this fantasy of literally swiping everything off the table onto the floor. (laughs) What do you teach about go-backs? How do you handle that? What's your rule of thumb? Well, I think it's a personal decision. So for us, we had a very small team. It was me and my sister and a bunch of freelancers, and we outsource our movers. So actually, for us to make a trip back, it's quite a deal. Because I have to hire the mover to come out again. So we have a minimum charge of 500 If the client wants to pay that, then that's fine. But usually when people are like, oh, okay, it's fine. I'm, I'm okay with the staging now. Yep. I think a lot of it is actually a control issue. If it's legitimate that we F it up, like we, I, we brought a dining table that's too small, yep. whatever it is, if it was our, our mistake, we'll fix it for free, obviously. But if it's just like a request that I feel like it's more like a control issue. We had a client once, she's like, I don't like the way this plant is growing. Because sometimes we get requests for plants. I'm like, I can't control that. I'm not God. Yeah. I wish I am because I can just be like this, done. I know. But, I'm not, so... I feel like we always try to diffuse those situations with 
as much of an honest conversation as we can with the person making the complaint that this is not a design job. You pay something completely different for a design job where we cater to you and we bring the best version of you to your space. This is part of the marketing of your home. And this is not for you. This is for 90% of the people that are walking through. That's who we're trying to appeal to here. And people are actually really responsive to that when you say it nicely. Yeah. And also, I always kind of frame it like this is more a dictatorship when it comes to safety. Yeah. It's a yeah. design dictatorship. It is we're really doing it for the buyer. So if you're the seller, you're like, I don't like that chair. I don't like this. Well, I understand that, but we're really doing it for the buyers. I mean, we did our homework. I didn't just show up one day and be like, I want to be a stager from a dark, cold night in night mm-hmm. sweat. Be like, I really want to be a stager. This is my life for a bit. There's actually, we've done the work. We have been doing this for a while. So right. I think it's really important to show that to the client through obviously portfolio, the way you talk about your project and stuff. I think being nice though also goes a very long way with clients. Yeah. Especially real estate agent, I think they take a lot of shit from their sellers. They do. And whether we're there for it or not, they do a ton of the pre-sale for us. Typically, if you're a stager and you're in someone's home, that agent has already talked to them about price, of the the importance of being needing to stage, or else you wouldn't be there, right? Like most of the people that call me are agents setting up appointments for their clients, not clients just yelping us and saying like, hey, I love your stuff. I mean, that does happen. And that actually always presents a different set of challenges. that's when it turns into a design job, you know, because they're a little bit unhinged. But when you have an agent there like helping you, they're really your best friend because they have a longer relationship with the client. They're going to be able to translate things. If it gets kind of hot too, between you and the, and the client, they're like a great middleman. I love agents. Exactly. And our realtor, for example, that we have long-term working relationship, even though they may have to call all our stagers, come in, do an estimate, they usually will kind of nudge ours toward them. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they can sell you for you because they work with you for so long. Because like, for example, at StagerCon, we interview four brokers. They're top producing brokers. And all of them said, we don't want to be going around hiring stagers. I got no time, okay? Like, I right, right. time to watch Netflix. They too want to just be like, I call Cindy or I call Daniel and it is done. Like, yes. I don't have to worry about anything. I know it's going to be delivered on time. Photography is going to be great. All I need to do is put that baby on the memo as I'm golden, right? Amen so. to that. I feel like that took me a long time to figure out that people aren't looking for the most stunning design or the newest take on like a boho chic living room. Like they don't really care about that. Agents, especially what they care about is that you are going to show up, you're going to do your job. It's going to look good when it's photographed and that you are handling your billing correctly and your proposals correctly. They want a streamlined service. That's way more valuable than what you think you might be bringing to the situation with some like great design flair. That will only get you noticed. But I think what continues, well, what I've noticed with our business, what continues to get us hired is our ability to reproduce solid staged environments. Yeah. And I also think it's like you really attract the type of client that is really on your same wavelength. I'm not yep. sorry, that's really Californian. But 
I have had encountered very diva type of real estate agent. Yeah. And the stager they work with are also very diva type. And even when we're hiring team member, we had a team member who was an amazing stager. She was just amazing. Like she could just turn any situation into pot of gold or something. I don't know sure. where it is. But she's very talented, but she was really difficult to work with. And so finally, I'm just like fed up because she's causing all this internal problem with the team. Like it, she drags everyone else down. And yeah. then so I was just like, I'm really sorry. I love you. You're great. But I don't think you're the right fit for us. I know. I've definitely been in those situations too, where you're like, yeah, this is just, we're clearly have different goals, different processes you know, we're not going to provide you with an experience that you're going to be happy with. It's time to yeah. And that stinks. And in the beginning, you're so afraid to do that because you need like every job. You need it. And you, you know, you feel like that. You're like a, <laughs> a slave to the small number of opportunities that you're going to get. So you better knock it out of the park and they better be happy because they're the only ones who are going to say something. But then after a while, right, you don't have to do that so much now that you have some like tenure. Yeah. You can say, Yes, we have some examples of our work. You can check out our Instagram or our website instead of sending like this long email of there's this one. I could use this sofa from this house and this from that house. And what do you think? Like, that's the worst thing to do, I think, is ever ask someone what they think. Because you're just like inviting an opportunity (laughs) to like have to change something. Don't do that. Don't (laughs) Don't ask them what they think. No, but I agree with that. I think you're right. In the beginning, I did every single job. Even if they had like 20 dogs that are going to be living with my furniture, I did that job. You know, I started my business when I was 25 out of my parents' garage. Like you, I didn't have a place. I have friends who deliver pizza, for God's sake. There's no networking connection at all. I did every single job to keep the company afloat. And then I borrowed money also from my parents. Yeah. Sorry, but as a 25-year-old, I had no money, so... Hey, that's what it takes. I mean, it takes money to... Like, we would not have been able to do the business the way we did. And we had, like, a choice in the beginning, right? Like, rent inventory until we have enough to buy or just start building our inventory right now. And Jason, well, luckily, Jason was there, you know, because he took some really risky financial moves and he, like, built out our inventory slowly and sustainably. And, yeah, like, it was a build for five years just these last two years has it felt kind of like i don't have to freak out every morning that's good (laughs) you know that feeling though where you're like i've got a stage today i'm excited because i like the stage but i'm also like freaking out because i have no idea if i have all my bases covered and i have to get this done in one day i know the feeling i mean even 10 years in i still get that butterfly sometimes i mean Mm -hmm. first five years definitely all the time and even when the business really stabilized, you know, we're six figure, you still get kind of that feeling, especially I think you're going to get to a certain point of your business where certain client may have a very large contribution to your revenue. Like we had a client, yep. for example, we were doing so many of his projects that he was basically 40% of our revenue. Yeah. And I actually find that really dangerous. I know there's one sager, for example, she worked for a top producer in our market, 100%, because they have right. so many jobs. They have like a team of 10 in terms of agents. So she was doing all of their jobs. And when they decided to drop her, oh my God, that was devastating. Yeah. So when my client got to 40%, I immediately was like, we need to put a stop on this. We need to kind of figure out how can we 
diversify our income with more different kind of clients. Is that yeah. anything that's dangerous? That was well? super wise of you. We have been in that situation. And, you know, now we have kind of like really well diversified groups of agents in different brokerages that that make up a smaller percent of our business instead of having just that one cash cow because it is dangerous right like what if they leave you it's it, you know it's the same concept of having a little savings account even though you're happily married you might just need that money one day so. <laughs> or are you stashing money around the house <laughs> i might be stashing money in the mattress there no, like- no 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 there's like a certain plant in the yard that has a bag of plastic bag down there that was filled with money. <laughs> yeah, right. I can't hide anything in the yard because that's like Jason's domain. Like he's always out there ripping things out. I was told a lot in the beginning by agents, give us a good price. We do lots of business. And I used to fall for that like every time. Well, I don't fall for it anymore because it's exactly what we're talking about. Not only is it a bait and switch, it is dangerous if it's true, because like if all of a sudden this has happened quite a few times where you get an agent, you knock it out of the park, the second one's good. And now all of a sudden it's just like, boom, 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 boom. And you you didn't scale for that influx in business. And now they're disappointed because your schedule isn't as conducive as it was the first two times. Yeah, exactly. It is quite dangerous, actually. And then I don't know. I always feel like client relationships is a bit like dating, you know? <laughs> if you like gave in and then that guy really would take advantage of you. And that's how I, I mean, it's human nature, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you need to set your own boundary. I think that's yeah. the thing is that even though we want to please our client, but we can't literally lose our principle. And then also I always say get paid up front and get your signed agreement up front. Right. Because once you gate that up, your clients be like, well, I already got what I wanted, right? The staging is done. The photograph is done. So mm-hmm. I'm going to pay you on time. I'll just pay you whenever I get to it. There's yeah. no urgency anymore. Yeah, we won't even schedule the install without a deposit. And that was a huge move. It was jolting to kind of all of our current clients when we instituted that. But it has totally eliminated that. You feel like once they have some skin in the game, they feel better about it. And you both have something to leverage if the relationship should go sour. Yeah. So do you have a minimum before you leave your warehouse? Yeah, yeah. Our minimum is 2500 And that seems to work for us. Like essentially, I'll get like a living room, dining room, bedroom for our area. It took us a long time to figure out like what our costs were. And then they were always changing, right? Because like we'd buy a truck or we'd hire a new person or now we're just using more expensive inventory. <sighs> Yes, we have <laughs> we have a minimum. See, this is why I don't do any of this stuff. I'm talking about it like I know how what it was, but I didn't set up any of this. <laughs> Jason set up all of this. And you know, I just jumped in to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So tell me about the install you're on now. Did you just get there? Yeah, I'll show you. So I already broke some decor. <laughs> It's a task write-off. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. This is the ADU that we're doing. And I have to be... So you said this was a garage? This is an ADU. It's like the hottest thing in California right now. An additional dwelling unit. Everyone's doing it because they can get another thousand square feet to their property. Everyone's doing this. And most of the times they're like garages that people have 
outfitted to be something not like a garage. And that's what this one is. So it's very rough. It's not the nicest ADU I've ever seen. So who does the shopping now? Do you still do all the shopping? Yeah, I still do all the shopping. Does we Jason haven't had to... be like, you can only spend this much. And you're like, well, no, I'm spending all this anyway. <laughs> yeah, Jason doesn't actually allow me to do any kind of unassisted shopping anymore just because it's gone so wrong so many times. Anyway, here's Wait, the Wait, so what is assisted shopping? Assisted shopping would be like him holding the credit card <laughs> and me saying this is what I'd like for us to do. <laughs> here's our here's our living room today it's she's dated this house oh i know lots of white space and like already like freaking out about the amount of art that it's gonna take i know client always think that white is good but actually it's not it sucks up all the energy in the room <laughs> yeah. got a bedroom back here it's just you know lots of spaces we've got like a whole buffet of floor options but that's kind of like the Look at this. From red to blue. We call it wood. vintage, man. <laughs> it's eclectic in here. It's really eclectic. Yeah. Have you ever worked with those groups that work with homeowners and they pay the upfront costs, like the staging costs or the the renovation costs? That was after my time. After your time, yeah. That's how old I am. But it's interesting because we had two agents from Compass for SagerCon and so Compass will front 50 grand, $50,000 for the sale. So that can be spent on anything for home improvement. So staging, if you need a fence, you need a new roof, they will front 50,000 and it comes out from the escrow. Right. That is exactly the situation today. Like that's how we got to this project was one of those Compass renovation things. It's called Zoom Casa though. So it's your Compass. Yeah. Someone asked how many jobs we accept in a month. As many as we can take. Honestly, we will. <laughs> that is but, so true, isn't it? So right? Crazy. I mean, 20 would be too many. We can have about 16 projects out at a time comfortably with everything still looking good and no one getting gypped <laughs> on decor, you know, depending on size too. So I guess that's kind of the number because most things the average time on the market for a home in Southern California right now is now seven days. That's not always been that way. So I think if we were to average it out from when we were starting, it'd be closer to like 15. I think the old stat is like 12 days. So I think it'd be more like 15 days. And so we can pull in the same number of jobs that we put out in the same month because they're turning over halfway through. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'm going to carry the one. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that meme? Yeah, I think so. Oh um, God, I loved your IG the other day with like, oh no, is that Melanie? I really <laughs> like her. It's so I've been like saying it over and over and over again in my head. It's so funny. It looks perfect on you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That is the truth though. When, when you see someone stage with somebody else, you're like, what the hell? Don't you feel a sense of betrayal? You're like, totally what the betrayed. Hell? <laughs> especially when you've already quoted that project i hate that yeah i do like it though when one of my friends get it though that's always really fun especially if it was like one of those projects you were like happy to avoid <laughs> i also think it's interesting because let's say you lose you lose a bit or whatever and yeah. then you google it later to look at what it looks like what that sager did and you're like hmm. <laughs> yeah no i know there is there is the opportunity for some silent judgment 
<laughs> exactly. And then Bonnie's asking, what is the most you've been paid on a job? This is very juicy. I oh, what's like. the most I've been paid on a job? Yeah. Hmm. A staging job? What other job is there? Well, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, a, like, there's like design jobs and those, we did a humongous design job that was through the way of staging for it was a tenant improvement in West Hollywood for the fashion company Pretty Little Thing. Somehow we got seated as like the head design team for this influencer build out. It's on Sunset in or no, it's on Wilshire in Beverly Hills and it's a truly amazing project. That was the highest paid job I've ever done. As far as staging, I think the largest amount I've ever billed anyone for was like a 10,000 square foot house. And it was probably like $30,000. Nice. 28 or 30. Yeah, it was big. And it nearly sunk us too, because it cost almost that to buy the inventory for a house that size. It was, you know, it was like eight bedrooms or something like that. And we didn't have the inventory for something like that at the time. That's crazy. Yeah, that's the thing. Like with inventory, you really have to be careful because yeah, you, you can really sunk your house, especially if that inventory is not your usual inventory. Oh my, yes. Yes. You're just F, basically. You are totally F. You know what? And that house stayed on the market for almost a year. This was a few years ago, almost a year. And then finally someone swept it all up, including all the staging. We got a little return on it. It was a huge boost for us at the time, but it was a very risky decision to take that job and invest all that money. We just thought, okay, well, this will be... I mean, we more than tripled what we had. This was like our first big job. We were billing jobs at like $1,800, $2,500, $3,000. And then this came along and we literally like threw a price against the wall and they were like, okay. We were like, shit, what are we going to (laughs) do? That's basically how I was every job when I first started staging. I remember the first staging job, I quoted him and I was like shocked that he accepted. And I literally was like wanting to turn down a job. That's how petrified I was. I remember I was like hiding under the bed cover. I was like calling the client. I was like, I'm really not feeling well. I don't think I can do your job next Thursday. You did? yeah, I did. I was so petrified. I was so, so scared. I was like by myself. I was like 25. And I was yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And now I had to buy all this furniture to fill yeah. this four bedroom house. <laughs> and so I basically called him, tried to cancel, and he wouldn't let me cancel. He's like, oh, I already booked all the photographer, and the agent was really excited. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll see you next Thursday. And then the minute I found out, I was like, what did I find? What have I done? I literally went online and Googled all the furniture store in the Bay Area. And I called everyone. And luckily, I like was so lucky this furniture store just opened. So they were really interested in working with Stager. So he gave me these trade prices, whatever that meant. Yeah. At the time, I didn't know what it was. But I was like, okay, that's great. And then I delivered everything. It was just... Oh my god. Oh my god, that is scary. It was so intense. Then it got a bit better. <laughs> we got a question. So Kayla's asking, I noticed you have your prices all online. Has that worked well for you? Have you run into problems? And then can you repeat your minimum charge? Oh, our minimum charge is twenty five hundred dollars. 
for anything involving inventory. We do have a couple of services that are less than that, which we call in-home edits. And the package starts at like $500. And it's me going to your house for up to two hours. It never takes that long. And telling you what you need to like do. Buy this rug, move this sofa, get new lamps, clear this out. We do have a service that is cheaper than our $2,500. But anything that is like typically or classic staging with inventory is $2,500. And then we do have our prices online. And actually, we print them too and leave them in the properties. It's kind of like a menu. So we we print our prices and we put them online. And that only started working for us once we had a comfortable level of inventory. And we knew we weren't going to have to be constantly purchasing. That happened at like year five. And it was actually on the push of a marketing director that we had at the time. He said, you know, I really think this should be more upfront. I think you have a lot of cold market that's coming through these homes that are just discounting this experience because it looks expensive. You might as well put your prices out because we have relatively low prices. And he was right. It really helped. So in answer to your question, has it always worked out for us? It would not have been possible until we were really sure about what our prices were. But since then, yes, it has worked out for us because we also put starting at. We don't ever lock ourselves in. You always have to put starting at. Everyone's project is bespoke, custom, whatever buzzword you want to use to protect yourself (laughs) from getting locked in. I also love that you frame it as an experience. Because it should be, especially I think in markets like California or especially in LA where you are, people really want that experience, isn't it? It's becoming a brand experience. We're seeing that in New York, you know, in the bigger markets where staging is really popular. Like some stagers are like celebrity status. You know, they're like, I want to work with that stager because Mm -hmm. all my friends love their staging. It's almost like a vanity thing in a way, like a new influencer. Yeah, I feel that way. When we were looking for photographers, I went on Instagram and looked for photographers that were posting their work that I knew that they would be posting my work and stuff like that. And that had a ton of followers because I knew by way of hiring them, I would be getting some exposure. And I think there is a certain level, we don't have that many followers on Instagram, but we're experiencing like a small, like regional influence in a way, because it's not super dense with stagers right in our little pocket of LA on like the San Gabriel Valley. So I think that like, celebrity status or or just having like a, a recognizable brand. That's what I mean. Not celebrity, but like a recognizable brand is valuable that way. You know, something that people can feel like they're buying the whole experience, not just my staging costs $2,500. Exactly. I know you have to go yeah. because you have to go look at a rug, but thank I have a rug you so done. much for yeah, being this was on. Super this is fun. so much fun. We I have had to a do really it with cocktails, I think. Yeah, let's do cocktails next. Let's do cocktails next. That'll be a little more wild, maybe. I have an oh. outfit for it, I think. I know. I feel like we need to put warning. Like, we might cuss a lot during the... <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe people tuned in to listen to us chat. And I think this is so cool. Thank you so much for pushing me to do this. It was fun. No, I'm glad. Thank you so much. You're amazing. And I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being on. Especially I know it's a hot day and you're working. So, and thank you to your crew as well, especially Jason, letting us borrow you for like an hour. Oh, well, it was a pleasure for me. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. 
You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com/podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging. Music